Welcome to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where pastor and author Matt Brown debriefs your questions about Christianity and current issues shaping our culture. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The Debrief, and happy Valentine's Day to all of our listeners. Happy Valentine's Day to my Valentine. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Yes, I have something very, very special planned for you. I'm excited. Yes, you should be. (laughs) And I get get to be your co-host this year on the Valentine's episode, so that is fun. Yes, you should be. You're my Valentine. (laughs) So uh, this today's episode is going to be great. Check out next week. We're going to be introducing next week um, our new marriage ministers, Brad Brad and and Tammy Tammy Miller. Miller. So it is Miller time. You don't want to miss this. I have been praying for them to join Mm -hmm. us on staff, and A, we couldn't afford them, and B, I don't like begging, but- through a little manipulation and the power of the Holy Spirit, they're on staff and they are fantastic. We so, could not be more excited oh, to have them join us to help support this ministry for our married couples. Yep. Okay. Well, welcome to the Valentine Day episode. And let me just warn everyone, this is an explicit episode. There are intense, <laughs> real know, sexual questions. So if you have <laughs> if you have children that are present and listening and don't want, want to have stop years this of questioning, in the car. <laughs> yes, so this is on you. And again, I am just the answer man. I did not write these questions. So anyways, thank you. We want, we want these kind of questions. We want this podcast yeah, to be questions. as real as you need. I just don't want like, um, you know, a first grader. Mommy, what is, you know, you don't, that's just something you want to talk about on your own time. These questions today are crazy and I am so happy to be on this side of the Mm. conversation where I'm just going to read them. No, actually what I was thinking is I will just pick the questions you answer. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) not. Absolutely not. Okay. Well, let's jump into these questions. So the first question comes from Carrie and Carrie from Fontana and I'm assuming it's a she, says, why is marriage necessary if both people are committed? Is this for society or is it just a paper that makes no difference? Yeah, so I think that, um, Carrie, it matters for a couple reasons, is number one, that marriage is is more than just you two. Mm -hmm. So it's um, when Tammy and I and and you and I are celebrating 28 years here in a couple of weeks, we don't celebrate when we started dating. Mm -hmm. We celebrate when we got married. Because that's the moment we said before God, we said before our family, and we said before the law, we want to signify our love with a covenantal event. And so um, so it matters for us because, um, you know, we want, we want there to be a legal process to announce our love, and we want there to be a, a legal process if we had to unannounce our love. And so that's what, you know, th- there needs to be a detangling because the Bible says that marriage is the two shall become one flesh. And so what we want is we want the law to recognize that the two have become one flesh. And we live in a country where they recognize that, but it's not for society. What I would say as a Christian carry, this is for God. And what you want is you want your love to be public for everyone to know that you are in an exclusive relationship that is declared emotionally for your love for your spouse, that is declared mm. biblically, you know, because of your honor for God and is declared legally. You you want the world to know we are off limits and, and we and we share that publicly without shame we care about this. And so what I would say is um, for couples, marriage is a big deal. And so that's why, you know, it's it's not just enough to play like you're married, living mm-hmm. together or acting like you're in love. You need to actually be married and say, okay, this is a big deal. And what I always say to couples when I do weddings, if, if you're not nervous, you don't know what you're doing. Mm. Like you, you should be a little nervous. This, this is bigger than what you understand. Um, for better or worse are deep words. Mm-hmm. And you can only have worse if you're married. Mm-hmm. Because if you're dating, right, it's just look until until you irritate me. Well, and that idea of like both being committed only works until it doesn't. Yeah. So until one or the other person's like, it's not working for me anymore. Mm-hmm. It's making me think of that reality show, Sister Wives. Yes. There's four wives, one husband. But in that, there's only one legal marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, in the last year and a half, we've watched um, three of the wives right. just say, we're not married anymore. They and they for years have said we're spiritually married, right. which would sort of be along the lines of joke. just having it. Yeah, yeah. but it, it doesn't matter. Let alone a couple things come to my mind. First of all, how when the Bible speaks to how God views us as the church, his people and his commitment to us, it actually uses the analogy of marriage, right? We're mm-hmm. the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Um, but also there's you and I've seen so much over the 28 years that yes. we've been at Sandals Church 
the legalities actually really, really matter. They matter if you need health care, um, finances, if something happens, God forbid, one person or the other dies, is deceased, who makes those legal decisions mm-hmm. um, when children are involved. Like there's so much that is so rich and valuable about yeah. the legality of it. Um, and I always think the argument is we don't need a paper. We just need our love. Um, only works till it doesn't. Yeah. And, and I just think, again, you know, whatever I need to do to solidify my love for you, I'm going to do. And I don't, I would just mm-hmm. hesitate if you told me that a piece of paper is more than you're willing to put in our love life. Mm-hmm. I would go, okay, that's, that's going to be a like problem. Like I'm, I'm committed-ish. Yeah, I'm committed <laughs> unless I have to take a day off and go down to the court and sign mm-hmm. this. I, mm-hmm. that, that really bothers me. And so um, I think if you're living together, you're trying out every day. Every single day you're trying out and you have to be your best. You have to be your most beautiful. You have to be great mm. in the bedroom. Like you you are you are auditioning for a role that you're never going to get if you don't believe mm. in marriage. And so like if you and I have a bad day, if you and I have no sex, bad sex, you know, it doesn't matter. We're in this together and we're going to work it out for better or worse. And, um, you know, marriage is just simply stating and, and people do this every day. They get married publicly and they lie in front of their family, friends and God that they don't actually mean until, you know, death do us part. Um, but it does help and it requires a covenant and covenants are important to God. God does this constantly. He does it with Abraham. He does it with Noah. Um, you know, he did it with us through the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you think of the Lord's supper, Carrie, it's, it's a covenant. It's a ceremony that we remember. Mm -hmm. How did we become one with God? Oh yeah. Jesus died on the cross and Jesus shed his blood for me. And so I go through this ceremony, not because it Mm -hmm. makes me love God, but because it represents the fact that I recognize publicly of what God did for me. And so these public ceremonies are super important for private feelings. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think I said this a couple months ago in a sermon, like there'll be a long line of people to love you privately, Mm -hmm. but there are very, very few people that will love you publicly and say, I'm all in with you in front of all of our family and friends. Everyone else is off limits and I choose this person. Um, And so here's the thing, Carrie, the evidence is in. And there isn't a, a psychologist or a relationship expert anywhere that says living together helps. Mm. It, it just doesn't. Because if I know I have an easier out when things get hard, guess what I'm going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm going I'm to take the easy road. Yeah. And, and, and why is that, Carrie? Not getting married is the easy road in. And so when you see the doorpost and the exit sign for the easy road out, that's it. I'm not saying you carry in your relationship. I'm just saying percentage wise, people that live mm-hmm. together, when they choose the easy way in the relationship, they choose the easy way out more mm-hmm. quickly mm-hmm. than those who don't. It, it, another lie is this, like we've all heard the stats about 50% of all marriages end in divorce. It, that, that's horse crap. It's just not true. of all marriages end in divorce when you include those who get divorced once because they're more likely to get divorced twice. Those who get divorced twice are more likely a third and a fourth time. And why is that? When you break a covenant the first time, is it harder harder or easier to break it the second time? Mm. So they lump all those people in together. So your your, your cousin Vinny that's been married seven times, he is in that 50% percentage. Mm. It's just not true. Uh, When you look at first-time marriages... The first marriage, the percentages are incredibly high. So those people have a much better case. It's just that they lump in the second divorce, the third divorce, the fourth divorce. I mean, I've met some in our church that's married seven times. And so what those people do is they pull the stats way down. Now, here's the other thing, Carrie. When you include conservative Christians who go to church, read their Bibles and pray, they have like a 90% success rate. Wow. It's 90%. We're going to church on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. We're reading our Bibles and we're praying together. Mm. 90%. Like it goes through the roof, man. It's just incredible how much better our relationship is. And that's why when I used to do wedding ceremonies, right, a a threefold cord rope is not easily broken. Mm -hmm. I think that's Ecclesiastes 4.12. If somebody can pull that up for me. Um, It's Ecclesiastes 4 for sure, but I don't remember if it's 4.12. Um, But, um, and the whole idea when I would preach that in marriage is, Carrie, your love and your partner's love are two cords in a rope but if i add that third one mm-hmm. god i mean you broken. and i've experienced that when one or the other of us is just yeah. like so angry at the other person mm-hmm. or doesn't want or doesn't feel super loving towards the other it's like well my commitment mm-hmm. wasn't just to you mm-hmm. i well, made a commitment before god and the vow i took in front of mm-hmm. him actually matters to me which motivates me to do right by you yeah and 
Yeah. Yeah. So we actually uh, talked about this a little bit with the Millers. You know, there was a season in our marriage, I think it was right when Madison, Madison was maybe six months old, where if somebody said, you know, does Tammy love you? I would have said, Tammy doesn't even like me. Like, like, I, like, let's just throw love out the window. She doesn't want to be my I'm roommate. Sorry. You know, she doesn't want to be. And it would have been so easy, Carrie, if we we're just living together. It's like, dude, what am I doing here? But here's what kept me in there. I made a commitment before my parents. I made a commitment before God. I made a commitment to your dad. Oh my gosh. And, uh, and he warned me, he told me how tough you were going to be. Uh, dude, literally Tammy's dad held okay, up a pair. No, this he, is a Valentine dude, he held up a pair of broken glasses when I asked for her hand in marriage. And remember your pops, he would wear those glasses. And they would slant, they would to slant one sideways. Side. And, and it's because he got mad at you. I guess I wasn't there for it. And he threw him against the wall. But he goes, she goes, he goes, she's tough. <laughs> I was like, but I was like, I don't care. I love her so much. But anyways, but, but listen to me, Carrie, it wasn't our love that kept us together. Mm-hmm. In that moment, it was my commitment to God. I said, I made a commitment to God. And I, if I'm going to stand before God one day, I got to know that I did everything I could. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to figure out a way to stay in a marriage and try to get her to like me and hope that one day maybe she'll And that covenant and that commitment is what bridges you from one, like the the in-between of one bad moment to the next good moment. Like in that gap right Mm -hmm. there, when you don't feel like staying in, it's the bridge to walk you from being okay to being okay again. And so I'm summing up your answer before we move to the next question. Is it for society? Absolutely not. It's for you. It's for your partner. It's your commitment to God. And is it just a paper that makes no difference? The paper makes all the difference mm-hmm. for so many reasons that protect and, and I, you. Yeah. yeah. And I would say, Carrie, it is also for society. It's important that as a society, we engage in relationships of permanence. And when, when we look at what's happening in black mm. culture today, 75% of young black kids have no dad that negatively affects them. Latino culture is right behind. And as whites, we're we're quickly catching. So what happens to children, especially males in a home where they don't have a father is they have lots of problems and, and lots of issues. And this isn't religious. Mm-hmm. This isn't race-based. This is just reality. The reality is when you don't have um, you know, that couple that's fixed mm-hmm. in there. And, and by the way, you know, all the research is coming out. You, you guys know what makes a mom a great mom? a healthy, stable dad. Like what, what makes a woman be a fantastic mother is when she doesn't have to worry about rent. She doesn't mm-hmm. have to worry about safety. She doesn't have to worry about like when, mm-hmm. when she can take all of those things off her plate and devote her attention to Nurturing. being a mom. She's fantastic. When she has to become the dad and she's the provider and she's the security guard and the disciplinarian and, the disciplinarian and all of those things happen. Guess what happens when you spend multiple plates, dishes drop. And that's what happens. And so we need each other. And I don't know the stats yeah. on this, but I know that there's truth in this. I I, mm. I wish I would have looked I'm this up ahead of time. I'm glad you don't think I'm lying. That's good. <laughs> Is that, that kids who come from parents who have not been divorced are less likely to get divorced. Right. It's not... 100%. But and but kids from parents who've been divorced or multiple times are more likely to get divorced yeah. and it just goes so on. And yeah. So, so and what that means is if your parents are divorced, you're not without hope. You just have to really ground yourself in, okay, I'm going to get in something and there's going to be times where um, I'm not going to like this mm-hmm. and I'm not going to enjoy this. And I love what Christina Crowley says uh, when she was mad at Dan um, and I didn't ask for permission, but it is Valentine's day, but she would say, I'm choosing to love you right now. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing to love you because, and which is hilarious because Dan Crowley is fantastic. Uh, he's one of the pastors at our church and I kind of goad her with that. I'm like, you do realize <laughs> there's a line of a billion women that would love him. Um, but, but, but what she's saying is even, even the, even the best person in the world has bad days and they're irritable and they're ugly mm-hmm. and they stink and, mm-hmm. and you're going to have a hard time. So I would say it's not just for society, Carrie, but society experiences the consequences of people that are just casually kind of jump into bed and make kids. Mm-hmm. So. And um, before we go to the next one, I'll just say this. The good thing about our hope in Jesus is that even if we come from divorced families, yeah. we can be chain breakers. We mm-hmm. can do it different. There's always hope just because those statistics Yes. Speak truth. It doesn't mean it has to be your truth. If that's you, you can still have hope that you can be different. Yes. Um, we've seen that happen here so many times. People who who take some unhealthy 
yeah. generational things and and make a new way, which is Amen. the power of God. So, okay, let's move to the next question. This one's from One Daydreamer, and she says, "When you get when you get engaged to be married, how do you maintain your purity whilst mentally preparing for sex and marriage?" This is such a good question, mm-hmm. especially. I don't know if, if this is um, her or their story, but I think kids who go to Christian school or only in Christian bubble, how many times have you and I counseled young people where they were like, my whole life, it's like, sex is bad, sex is bad, mm. sex is bad. You're married, go have sex. Mm. <laughs> like the mental switch to make. So this is such a great question. Okay. She's how talking about you, engaged though. I know, but I'm just saying... Mm. Kids are trying to maintain being pure, mm-hmm. but also mentally prepare for sex. And I'm oh, saying that the, the other right. side of that is, you read it right. I read it wrong. is mm-hmm. mentally kids are told, don't do it. It's so mm-hmm. bad. It's so bad, which creates a mental space. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden get married. And it's like, oh, it's okay. All of a sudden now after years yeah, of no. like, you're bad if you do like, I think this, the mental part is the great yeah, no, question. You of read this. it great. I remember I'm dyslexic. I, <laughs> I flipped the words. So, um, one day dreamer. Absolutely. You're right. So sex is something that, um, you know, and our son, he's the only kid that's not married. It's something that I talk to him about. I say, when you're married and have sex. So I try not to just talk about that. It's bad right now. I try to always talk to him in the future tense. And so all of our parents listening, talk to your kids about sex in the future. When you're having sex with your wife, son, when you're engaging in sex with your husband, sweetheart, like, like one day so that they know that this is going to be a part of their life. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing when they get married. And the reason, you know, um, sex is bad, which I don't like that language before marriage is because sex has consequences. What are mm-hmm. they? Un- unwanted mm-hmm. pregnancies. Um, you know, you, you have sex, you're, you're too young and you think you love each other, but it was just tacos on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And then you break up and you've become one flesh with somebody. And so, you know, sex is just uh, something that should only be shared between two people who are saying, I give all of me to you and you give all of you to me and there's nothing between us. And as the Bible says, the two have become one flesh. And so what I would just say is uh, preparing mentally for sex is um, it's it's not going to be as easy as you think. Intimacy is a challenge. Um you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to become one flesh. Uh, I'm not a woman. I don't know what it feels like to be a woman. I have no idea, you know, how to please a woman. And so what I would do is lower your expectations of what sex is going to be like and say, we're going to start this adventure together. We don't know what we're doing and we're going to have a lot of grace. Mm. We're going to have a lot of communication. And, um, you know, I mean, we've counseled all kinds of all kinds of people, you know, about sex. I remember years ago, there was a young man in our church. He couldn't even have intercourse. He would climax before they would have intercourse. And you can imagine how frustrating that is to be done before you start. And, and it's just like, you know, and this poor couple's just sobbing and it's just like, okay, let's relax. Let's Mm -hmm. just chill out and let's pray for each other because the last thing that you want in sex is judgment, criticism. Uh, It's why I think porn is so destructive because you're watching models you know, do things. And what you want to do is be engaged with your spouse wholeheartedly and be present with this her. This is one of the reasons though, you and I typically counsel people not to have a long engagement for yes. this very reason yeah. that that just prolongs this. It makes it yeah. harder to maintain purity is more challenging. And so you and I yeah. typically, how long was our engagement? Four months? Four months. Yeah. It was like a month mm-hmm. too long. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, I mean, because, because we're ready. And so, and so that's the thing is, um, we, we make too big of a deal of a wedding. Now I get it. You got to bring in family. You got to mm-hmm. give your family time. You want to make that's a big deal, but there are other things you can do. You can, um, you can go and get married and then have a celebration three months, four months down the line. Mm-hmm. Your priority needs to be on honoring God. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just would not, especially, you know, in California, so many of our young people, why would you drop 50 grand on a wedding when you need all of those 50 grand for a house or for an apartment? It's mm-hmm. so hard to, to, to financially challenging to live as a married couple in California. Um, and I think a lot of parents need to think about that because they're trying to relive their dreams through their kids. And it's like, look, man, what I want my kids to do is, is honor God. And Mm -hmm. so I I would just say a shorter engagement is better. Um, you know, spend less money on the wedding than you need to back up to Carrie's question. Some people think marriage is not a big deal. The wedding is not a big deal, a piece of paper. And then other people make way too big of a deal Mm -hmm. out of it. And they, they go bankrupt or they put all their, um, you know, their expenses on a credit card. And now all you've done is you've, you've You've started started your marriage marriage with with financial stress. So, so why on earth would you do that? Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, I don't know if you guys remember, but I did the mass wedding 
and we did how many people got married 50 100 people i can't remember so many people and and i just literally said i said look i'm gonna do the wedding i'm paying for the cake i'll be here we had a dj and we had tons of couples come and get married and not everybody made it, you know, marriage is tough, but I, I run into those couples where they're like, mm-hmm. you, you married us that day. And In it was, fact, it's the, I think it's the five year yeah, okay, is it five ish year? mark yeah. for those married couples. So we must have done it in 2019, but yeah. we did it. And, and I thought it was a great thing because for a lot of people, the financial issue is the issue. And I mm-hmm. just said, get rid of that. And it was so beautiful. I was standing on stage and there was probably, I think we did like six brides at a time. Mm-hmm. So we did six at a time and they would come up and we'd do the vows. We did, it was like a, it was like drive-through, like marriage drive-through, but it, it was, was great. Sweet, though. It and was then really I got to sweet. dance with all the couples and the grandmas yeah. and, and we, it was fabulous. We got a little carried away on the cakes though. We, we made a cake for every married couple. Like we probably should have just done one cake. No, um, it was it was really yeah. sweet and special. I would I would say this, and you can add on to that. Is um, I think it's okay to be mentally preparing by being excited, you know, bridal shower things that come with that gifts that you get, but also making sure you're putting some boundaries in place so that you can, you can main, be excited mentally, but yeah. not bring any shame, disappointment in yourself. Yeah, physically in that way, like. Yeah. Yeah. And so just so you know, I mean, we have couples in our church that live together. And then when they go through counseling, we ask for them to move apart mm-hmm. for a period of time and abstain from sex. And a lot of our couples are like, what's the point? I'm like, the point is you're doing something different and you're honoring Well, and God. most of the time, yeah. most of the time, not all the time, they actually will circle back and thank us yes. because it made it mm-hmm. a new covenant, a fresh experience. And they just appreciated yeah. having that space to focus on because the physical part of your relationship can completely take up all the space in it well then all of a sudden you can have sex it's not like this mysterious crazy thing it's like wait but we're not even friends like you said in our first six years six months of being married it was Mm -hmm. like we weren't even friends Mm -hmm. um and so to make sure that you're taking up this space preparing that your relationship is Mm -hmm. what's so good as well so okay let's move on maria says this will we be married in heaven <laughs> i've asked you this before yeah. if not why wouldn't we be when god was the one who created marriage does this does this also mean we will no longer be fruitful and multiply or no more children yeah so maria so here's one of the things that i think christians are surprised about and it's how little jesus talks about heaven and the other the other side mm-hmm. he just doesn't talk about it a lot and so Uh, He talks about the kingdom of God, but he says things like this. It's here. It's already here. And so most of what Jesus is talking about is our life here and now and the choice that we make. And so when we talk about heaven, okay, there are very clear signposts in scripture, but there are signposts pointing into the fog. And so we don't, we don't know exactly what's on the other side. And pastors get into a lot of trouble when they try to connect these signposts that are pointing into fog and they come up with this system of, of everything that they believe and how it so neatly fits together. And it usually, I just laugh because I'm like, I know that they're, they're, they're uh, closing their eyes to a lot of scripture. So here's Jesus only talks about this uh, one time. And the question really isn't about marriage at all. It's about the resurrection. And the people that are questioning him don't believe in the resurrection. So think about this. His his audience thinks that when you die, you die. So there's nothing. And so what they ask him is, they say, there's this woman, and she's married to this man, and he dies. And then she's remarried to his brother, which mm. this sounds crazy to us, but this was Jewish culture. It could be as back then, a woman's livelihood and safety was was basically in her children. If she didn't have children, there was eventually going to be nobody to take care of her unless she had a brother. Mm -hmm. So then that guy dies. And then this same thing happened seven times. And so in Jewish culture, that just means like infinity. Like she's done this and all of her husbands die. And so the question is, in heaven, whose wife will she be? So that's the question Jesus is is answering. Mm -hmm. And so from that, pastors extract will we or will we not be married in heaven? And so here's what I would say to you, Maria. I'm glad that you're concerned about this because what this means is you have a great marriage. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about the hundreds of millions and billions of women who've had abusive marriages, who did not have a choice in it. You think they want to be a husband's property for all eternity? That is an interesting viewpoint I have not thought about. So for Maria, Maria, she's like, oh, for a lot of women, they're like, thank God, I don't have to be with that guy anymore because he was crappy. He was terrible. And so Mm. here's what I would say, Maria. We don't know. Here's what I believe is I will know Tammy 
And, and the only way for me to know Tammy is as my wife. Because if I said, I know Tammy, but she's not my wife, then I, then I no longer know her. Um, and so I will know her as my wife. As to whether or not uh, sex will be a thing or we will engage in sex, Jesus says that we will neither be married nor given in marriage in heaven, for we will be like angels. And so, um, but the primary force of what Jesus is saying there has nothing to do with marriage. It's, it's rebuking people who don't believe in a resurrection. Mm-hmm. So what he's saying is, yes, there is a very real afterlife. And in this afterlife, we will, it will not be like the here and now. Mm-hmm. We will be like angels. Keyword like doesn't mean we turn into angels. Mm-hmm. And so what he's saying is it will be different. It will be different. But I believe Jesus will still know Mary as his mother. He'll still know her in that way. Um, he'll still know Joseph as his earthly father. He'll still know uh, James and Jude as his half brothers. He's still going to know these relationships because we don't, like, we don't just, it's not like we're computers and they hit delete. Mm-hmm. Like, we still know all of these ways, but we know each other in a way that's perfect. And so, uh, you know, whether or not we will engage in sex, you know, we don't know. So if you go back to Isaiah, Isaiah indicates that there are children. So when he sees the new heavens and the new earth, there are children. Well, where did those children come from? We, we, we don't know. Um you know, so so these are just questions that we cannot answer. And, and, and here's what I would say. Whether we're married or not, here's what you need to know, Maria. Jesus said it would be better for you to cut off your hand and gouge out your eye than not go to heaven. Mm. So that, that's what you need to know. What, what, what he's saying, see what I'm saying? He's using very, very clear language to get you to understand. It would be hell for you, Maria, to spend eternity apart from God. You don't want that to happen. And so for us as Christians, Tammy is my earthly wife, my like not like I have a wife in heaven, but she is my wife on earth, and God has brought us together for this, this, uh, this moment, and we will go into heaven together, having been husband and wife. And I think we will share those memories, we will share those thoughts, we will still relate to that way to each other in that way. Whether or not there's sex, the purpose of sex is not just for you know comfort and pleasure, but it's for child rearing. So if there aren't That's kids, what she says is yeah. it, are we, will we no longer be fruitful and multiply? Yeah. So there's no good answers for that. So we're, we're, we we're called to, to be fruitful and, and, and multiply and fill the earth. That's what we're called to do. So we we don't know on the new heaven and the new earth, and we just don't have those answers. And so I'm sorry. I wish I could give you a better question. Mm. So. Okay, this next question better answer, sorry. comes from D, and it says, My husband of 19 years likes videoing our sexual encounters, with my consent, of course. Which is good. Yeah. How does our church feel about this and feel about him masturbating while watching videos of us? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I got lots of thoughts here. Um, well, let's hear them. Yeah, so my <laughs> husband of 19 years likes videoing our sexual encounters. You know, I, I think... Um, you know, as men, we, we like to see sexual things. So that's why pornography is so rampant for men because we're so visually stimulated. Um, the, the reason I don't like this is the purpose of sex in a marriage is coming together, not watching each other. And so, you know, masturbation mm-hmm. is self-pleasure. Uh, intercourse is mutual pleasure. And so what I don't like here is that you guys have the opportunity to mutually please each other, but somehow it's easier for him or more enjoyable for him to please himself when you're not present. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. Now I'm not a sexual therapist. I don't understand all this, but, but here's one of the things that I can share. So I would, I, I watched porn. I, I mean, I mean, I say watched cause we didn't have, I didn't have access to videos um, probably until college, but I don't know, from 11 to when did we meet when it's 21, 22. Yeah. And here's, here's what really, here's how porn really negatively affected me is pornography is voyeurism. So voyeurism is I don't want to engage in sex. I want to watch sex. And so what it does is, and so what our brains are, our brains create these pre-programmed ways in which we experience things. And so what porn does is it creates a pathway in my brain for me to experience climax. I have to watch sex in order for me to experience climax. So that's what pornography does, right? Because I'm not actually participating. I'm watching. Mm. So um, this is what I've shared with our son because I've, I've begged him not to look at porn. And it's I'm just so grateful that I didn't grow up in today's age where it's everywhere. Yeah. But I've asked him, do you want to have sex or watch sex? Because I think those are very, very two different things. 
And unfortunately, when you train your brain to watch, you don't know how to engage, you struggle with intimacy. And so while I can appreciate that your husband is fascinated with your body, he appreciates your body. Um, you know, I think each couple can decide for themselves, you know, if they want to film themselves having sex. My, my big concern would be who finds this when we die? Like, I don't want our kids, you know, pu Absolutely you know putting away not. our stuff and like, well, here's dad, <laughs> you know, here's dad again. Um, you know, because I, no, so that, that, that's not the legacy I want to leave for my kids when I'm dead and they're <laughs> and unpacking they my house. do not want that either. And there's no such thing as secret videos. Can we all just, can we all just acknowledge <laughs> right. that when you film something, it's going to get out. And so for all the mm -hmm. hackers out there, mm -hmm. you can hack my phone, but you're not going to see me nude because it doesn't exist. And mm -hmm. so, um, I, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And so, so what I would just say is I would just really talk about how can I help you in this process be sexually aroused and reach a climax with me? How can I be a part of that? So I'm all for freedom within the context of sex, but I think it needs to be together. Mm. So I, I, I just have a hard time theologically saying that God gave us the gift of sex to be a part. Um, you know, and so, you know, um, I mean, there's some dynamics. Maybe the question is leaving out where maybe she travels a lot or he travels yeah. or something like that. We just don't know that. But based on the information, I think that's a great answer. Yeah. So, for that. I mean, yeah. So what I would say is, D, A, thank you for this very, very specific question. I appreciate your authenticity. Mm -hmm. I appreciate about how real it is. Yeah. I just I just would be concerned. And then I would want to know what else is he doing? I just, I just, I just feel prompted to be like, what else are you watching? What, what else are you seeing? What, what, what is happening that? It just seems kind of like yeah. a separate sex life. Yep. And, and that's what I don't like. Sort of part of it, but. Yeah, I don't like that. I want um, him to have sex with you. Um, you know, and, and again, I'm not trying to be judgmental or old fashioned. You know, I think that you got to decide for yourself about what you film or don't film. I've shared with you why we're not doing that. My concern is him masturbating. And, and, and orgasming without you present. That that really bothers me. Um, I'm not saying that's a sin. I'm not saying that's wrong. I just would want to explore that and say, okay, what is going on here? Because, um, you know, I can tell you as someone who watched porn, intimacy was very, very difficult for me. Um, and so, so, so I'm wondering what part shame plays in here. So maybe, so I would ask, why are you more free to masturbate when I'm not there? than when I am there. And I would explore that. What, what is happening in you? Because a lot of, uh, a lot of Christians struggle with shame in sex. And so why is he more free when you're absent than he is when you're present? And I would just press into that, not judgmental, not saying, Hey, this is wrong. Uh, but just saying, Hey, I, you know, I want to be there for you with this um, and just make sure that you're talking about everything and that you, D, have a good grasp of of what's really going on here. Mm -hmm. So uh, I appreciate the fact that you have enough honesty to talk about this. I think this would mm -hmm. be a very uncomfortable thing mm -hmm. for us to to navigate. So I praise God that you are that you have some level of honesty to talk about this. I just want to make sure that there's not something else there. And then I really want to press into why is he so free when you're not there? I want to know that because ultimately what we, the sexual freedom we want it, we want to find in marriage is with each other. I want to be the most free sexually with Tammy as opposed to with myself. And even if it's, you know, not that we have pictures of you, but even we that it's, not. yeah, even <laughs> if, you know what I'm saying? Cause, cause I think that could be really tricky. Mm -hmm. It says, you know, okay, well, I, I just want to make sure that he can be with you um, and, and, and it sounds like to me, like maybe talk to a sex therapist or something like that. Yeah. If, if that doesn't, if you yeah. still want to talk more about that. Great question. Thank you for being so real too. Um, and great answer, Matt. Yeah. So sorry about the vague answer, but there, I just need more details than what I have here, which um, there was a lot of details. <laughs> I was like, there's a lot of details there. Um, this next one comes from Michelle from Rialto. She says, emotional intimacy is very important. Is emotional intimacy considered infidelity? Yes. I'm assuming the in question may be if you're having it with someone that's not your partner or mm. husband. Yeah. So infidelity is like for me, let's say there was a gal, which is just weird because I work at a church, but let's say there was a gal here at church that I'm sharing things with her that I'm withholding from you. Mm. That's infidelity. 
because what I'm supposed to be doing is my spouse is the one that I'm supposed to share the most intimate details mm-hmm. and the things not that are secret, but that are secret from others. Mm-hmm. And so there's a difference between secrecy and privacy, right? So secrecy is usually a sin. Privacy is usually wise. And so if what mm-hmm. I'm doing is I'm sharing the private areas of my heart with a woman that is not my wife, I do share private things with men because I need wisdom before I talk with you, but I don't share that with women. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't have a woman where I'm like, Hey, I want to share these intimate details with you, Mm -hmm. but I do share frustrations with men in our church. I do share, um, you know, things that maybe would unravel you or cause you stress. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about like Mm -hmm. Dan Zimbardi. I think about Chip Henderson. Um, You know, I think about Eric. I, I, I have, and guys, if I missed your name, Sorry, I do love you and mean you. Uh, I have I have a lot of men in my life that mm-hmm. I can I can really share with. I don't have any women in my life. I mean, not even my mom. Like I don't I don't share things with my mom that well, I would share with you because I think even that's a violation. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say, well, that's part of what creates the intimacy of just like mm-hmm. I'm your person, you're my person. We're the people that we go to about mm-hmm. most everything. And when you're doing that, it does create a bond. It does create a pathway of relationship in a different way with someone else, Mm -hmm. a level of intimacy with someone that's not your partner, which is detracting from the person that is your partner and your person. So that's a great question. Yeah. So Um, infidelity is unfaithful. mm -hmm. And so it's a a general term that can be emotionally unfaithful, sexually unfaithful, financially unfaithful. Like there are multiple Mm -hmm. ways that you can... Mm-hmm. be unfaithful. So great, great question. Okay. This next question comes from Ashley and she says, how can I show my boyfriend of three years physical touch, which is his love language without causing us both to be tempted to do more sexually? I've already had sex before and he hasn't cuddling and kissing is more difficult for me than it is for him. Yeah, sure. And so, you know, um, for all of our virgins out there, listen, out there listening, thank God for you. Uh, once you cross that line, it's just really hard to stop. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just really is. And so, um, I, 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 you know, I was just on the phone with one of our friends who's turning 50 and he was actually talking about one of your favorite authors who just recently got remarried. Mm-hmm. And, um, he, he just randomly said, I can't imagine getting remarried in my fifties. And I was like, I was like, Oh God, me, me neither, because there's just so many things. And, 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 and one of that, you know, for us is, you know, the assumption of, you know, sex, and that's, that's a part of, you know, our relationship. And so to be in a relationship with someone that I would be attracted to and not have that would just, it would be really, really challenging and really, really difficult. So what I would just say is, she said, uh, how could she show physical touch to him? That's his love language without it leading to more. And it sounds like it's actually harder for her yes, to and, stop herself because mm-hmm. she already has yeah. experienced that. It's probably easier. I mean, I imagine it's easier, but there, there is also a responsibility on her end to not want to tempt him there. So I appreciate yeah. the question in that regard. Um, yeah, I, I think she just needs to be honest and yeah. she just needs to say, look, when my motor gets running, I'm ready to drive. And, <laughs> you know, and, and that's just and that's just the case. The and, car analogy. Yeah, no. And, 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 you know, you know, all of our kids have experienced that where I've just really challenged them. Look, you, you got to be really, really careful. And we've had a lot of uncomfortable conversations mm-hmm. with our kids because, you know, I learned the hard way that um, not having a plan is not a good plan. Yeah. And so, you know, you got to have a plan of what you're going to do in order to get out of a situation so you don't compromise. You can't thinking of it in the moment is not the plan. No. And and let me say this. I I think this is one of the things that, uh, and especially to our heterosexual Christians that really get frustrated with you guys. You know, we, 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 we really focus in on the gay community and how God feels about gay sex. And we, we just give all of our heterosexual Christians. They just had a slip up. They they just slip up. And it's like, look, man, to God, sexual sin is sexual sin. And mm-hmm. you need to understand that yeah. God is serious about sex. And, and, and there's a couple of reasons. Number one, it's one of the ways that we are like him. So go back to that previous verse, be fruitful and multiply. God has given us the ability to create life. And, and so think of all the murders that exist in the world because of abortion. Mm. So we had people who wanted to have sex, but they weren't ready to give birth to life. 
And um, what you want to do is you want to be in a situation where you can do that. So, so sex is, is like that because it creates life. Next, sex is like God because it creates oneness. Mm. So Elohim is, um, it's a really challenging word. And, and I know this is going to make everybody's heads explode, but it's, it's what's <laughs> called um, a plural singular. And so uh, Elohim, if you just showed me the word Elohim in Greek, I would say gods, plural. But the way the reason we know it's not God's plural is all the verbs in the sentence are singular. So what it, what it's telling us is it's one God, mm. even though His name is plural, Elohim. So the way you make something plural, masculine plural in Hebrew is you had Im. There used to be a restaurant in Riverside next to Twenty uh, Four Hour Fitness Burger Im. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did it go out of business? Uh, uh, it, it wasn't there. Around. The it was there. Yeah, it's still around. Okay, so yeah, so it means burgers. There are a bunch of Hebrew guys. So I was like, nobody knows Hebrew guys. But um, yeah, so hamburger, uh, burger im in Hebrew is, and actually the way you say hamburger in Hebrew is hamburger. So it's, I mean, that's the way it sounds. So um, <laughs> I'm like so lost right yeah, so, now. So anyways, what, what am I saying? I don't know. Um, you, dude, I was doing so good. I- I know, and then you went on burgers. I'm like, I don't even remember the question anymore. Does anybody remember what I was saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, because of oneness. That's why. Okay. So, yeah. So, sex. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for everyone in the room. <laughs> sex is oneness. So, when I have sex, I'm being one. Okay? And so, what Christianity is for our gay audience, uh, understand this, that uh, a man and a woman, when they have sex, what, what, what Christ came to do is recreate humanity that was fallen. So just think about him trying to recreate, uh, wh- and that's really what born again means. It's not some weird, you know, I was born again and I, I saw God. No, what it means is you are becoming human the way God meant you to be human. And the mm-hmm. way God meant us to be human was one man, one woman having sex, multiplying and filling the earth. So back to Maria's question, I don't know if we're going to have babies in heaven or not, but it's a picture of oneness. And so God, right, has given us this beautiful thing that creates life and creates oneness. And so as Christians for us, sex is a way in which we are like God. And so we want to do it in a way that honors him. Mm -hmm. And so God is not honored by premarital sex. He's not honored by that. Uh, he's not honored by any sex outside of marriage. And so we just need to make sure that as the heterosexual community, and just I, I just always think about the gay person in our church sitting there struggling, wrestling with every ounce of their being. And, and here you are saying it's so difficult, but for them, that's not even a possible outcome. And so one of the things for all of our singles, mm-hmm. one of the reasons I've, I've, I've never had an affair on Tammy, I've never cheated on Tammy is, um, A, I think about you. B, I think about God. C, I think about my kids. And and D, I think about my church. I don't want to dishonor my church family. Mm -hmm. I don't want to dishonor my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I want to be an example for them. And really what's sad is it shouldn't just be pastors that feel that way. Mm -hmm. If I'm I'm a part of the body of Christ at Sandals Mm -hmm. Church, I'm a member of this church and I don't want to bring dishonor to my church by what I do with my sex life. And so... Um, what I want to do is, and that's why in the book of Corinthians, when the guy's having sex with his dad's wife, Paul says, kick him out of the church. Like, Mm -hmm. and then we got all these, it's all about love. Well, (laughs) Paul's like, get that dude out. Mm -hmm. And, and, and he says, hand him over to Satan. That, I mean, you're like, what? Uh, and that wasn't gay sex. That was a dude sleeping with his dad's wife, which is just, and, and Paul just says that can have there can be not even a hint of sexual impurity amongst the people of God. And so we have to be so, so careful. Yeah. If, we're, that. if we're telling one community yes. to do something, it's, it's, it's not because it's just for that. It's that's how we're supposed to be behaving for. Yeah. Honoring a, and treating, honoring treating sex. other people in our church. Listen, it's like brothers and sisters and you don't mm-hmm. have sex with your brothers and sister. You don't. So uh, what I tell people is the person that you're dating is, mm-hmm. and, you know, I told this to our son, he was dating. She's either your wife or someone else's. So treat mm-hmm. her accordingly. Yeah. And, 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 and you don't know. And so until you're married, you don't know. So man, that's a great, great question. And sorry I know, for and that. It's, it's complicated answer. Sorry I you lost just, you. You've got to do, yeah. <laughs> you've got to do your best to not put yourself in, in those situations. And, and he, this is an area where he, to love her, will have to say, I can compromise on needing as much t- touch so that he can honor her with what 
is her yeah. struggle. I mean, that's it's as much on him as it is on her. So that's a very complicated answer. And we did circle back. I'm glad about that. Okay, last question for today is anonymous from Arizona. So we'll just do a shout out to Arizona here. I've managed to get away from casual sex, but as a 22-year-old guy, I still struggle with sexual temptation now especially porn i know that you've had similar struggle which you have Mm, spoken to on this episode a few times already and i'd love to know how i can completely get away from this yeah so um you know i i mean as a man right uh lust has been periodically a, a part of my life what was really helpful for me uh anonymous was getting to the root of why that was i always thought the issue was lust and I think most men and women think that's the issue. But for me, there were some underlying issues of shame that I had to deal with. And so if I wasn't feeling affirmed by you, um, and, and and sex with your spouse is affirming. Mm-hmm. It says, I'm I'm being invited in. I'm 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 loved for who I am. Um, I, I'm cared for, I'm wanted, I'm needed, right? And so when those things are not being spoken to, um, th- then what I did is I look for something else. So some people they go to addiction. For some people, they go to shopping. For some people, they go to sex. And so what happens is when my needs are not being met, I go to something else. And so what I had to learn to do, Anonymous, was I had to learn to talk about my feelings, which was very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for me and very, very hard for me. And here's what I'm feeling. Because what I found was porn was not something I went to for lust. It's something I went to for stress. Oh, it's something I went to for fear. Oh, it was something I went to because I felt shamed. Oh, and then you look at porn, you masturbate, and guess what? You feel worse. Mm-hmm. Um, the beautiful thing about sex in our marriage is, right, I don't feel shame. Like, God honors it. God mm-hmm. blesses it. Um, you know, I, I feel good about it, and I feel like, okay, I've done something right. But for that, it just kept making me feel worse. And so it created this pattern. And so then... Um, you know, again, so Tammy and I are older and we're like dinosaurs. So, you know, we, I was a pastor. Speak for yourself. We didn't have cable. You know, we didn't have access. There, there was no mm-hmm. way like it for- It was a, much more difficult. Yeah, for a good portion of our marriage, I don't know how I would have gotten porn other than maybe going and buying a magazine and then I would have had to hide it in our home, which would just be weird. Mm-hmm. So, so I- so, And when we were in college, I mean, you just didn't, there were no cell phones. No. There was no internet. No, there we were was using nothing. Morse code. Yeah. So, so here's, here's what, so here's what happened. Um, we had this ministry called JC's girls and, um, I I actually, they, they made a movie about it. It's called the pussycat preacher. I'm not proud of it, but it's, it's a real movie on the internet, uh, or documentary, whatever you want to call it. But I remember when we watched the, the premiere of that, I remember watching the men watch the women Mm. and I was disgusted by what I saw, not the women. I was disgusted by the men. And I said, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that guy. And, um, and so, and so then here's what's changed for me anonymous. I think there was a part of me that really thought porn was okay. So it's okay. If Tammy's unavailable, it's okay. At least I'm not actually having sex. So I made all these deals with myself. And then when I met the girls and I talked to the girls and we had very, very open questions, you know, do you like that? And they're like, no, I get paid. We get paid extra to do that. I'm like, Oh, um, I became, I I really realized this is wrong. Like this is wrong. These women don't want to be here. They're lying. They're telling the screen. They Mm -hmm. think it's fun. They're all depressed. They're all on meth. They're, you know, the suicide rates of porn stars are some of the highest among anyone in the industry. And I, and for the first time I went, this is wrong. Like this is wrong. And Mm -hmm. for some reason that changed something in me. And, um, and then we had, we had two beautiful girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, I became a dad of little girls and I thought, oh my gosh, to view a woman as a sexual object is so wrong. And I'm telling you, so JC's girls and my little girls and I went, I got to be different. And there was a, there was a shift in me. My lust, I was still, you know, get too horny sometimes. I mean, that's a challenge of being a man. But what I said was, I mean, do you know why I don't kill people? Because I think it's wrong. <laughs> like, um, no, I own a gun. I, known that. I own a gun. I don't mm-hmm. kill people. I think yeah. it's wrong. Yeah. And so when I actually thought this is wrong, I quit doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I, 
I, I, that was a huge, I used at one point in time, I would have said I made excuses. When I came to the conviction that this was not right and was wrong for me, there was a shift in me. And so then I would say this anonymous 22, I'm 52. And I can tell you your sex drive. There, there, there's a time in your life, whether you're a guy or a girl, some of us, right, we have higher sex drives than others. And it feels very, very frustrating. Here's the good news about getting older. Your sex drive diminishes. And I would actually say, I've become a more functional human being. Whereas I feel like um, that just when you're a young man, it ju it just feels, and it's because God has designed your mm -hmm. body. Like your body is in prime mating years. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, your penis has two purposes to urinate and impregnate, right? That's, that's its purpose. <laughs> and when you're 22 years old, man, that sucker's fired up yeah. and ready to go. And so what I would just say is I'm going to give you some hope and say, look, but but I but I we both know fifty two year old morons that are still living like they got a twenty two year old penis. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, and part of that's you know, because they yeah. don't think it's wrong. Yeah, and I I can't. I, I wish that I could say as a Christian man, I always thought that way, mm -hmm. but I didn't. I thought it was less bad than adultery, and so I gave myself permission. Um, and when 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 I realized, I was like, this is wrong. This is wrong, and it's it I. I, and I hate to say that I don't want to put anybody on a guilt trip. This is evil. Like I was like, Oh, mm. something changed in me. And, um, and, and again, so, so think of, uh, remember when we were in Cambodia with the kids, this is 2012 and our son saw that boy eating mm -hmm. out of the dumpster mm -hmm. and our son started crying. How old was Ethan? 10? No. Eight? Seven. Okay. Little guy. Yeah. And our son just started weeping. That's what sin is. Sin is this dumpster. And once, like, I'm, I'm guessing our audience, nobody's tempted today to go eat food out of a dumpster. Why? Because mm -hmm. that's trash. Mm -hmm. And once the Holy Spirit really gets a hold of you and it shows you and mm -hmm. you go, oh, that's a dumpster. The temptation, the, you, you may still have a hunger. Mm-hmm. Right. So the hunger. So this is where like if, if you're if you're gay, the hunger may still be there. You're just not tempted to eat out of the trash can. And you're like, nope, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So I, I still may have days where, um, you know, I'm sexually aroused. And for whatever reason, sex between you and I is just not an option. Mm -hmm. I still may have that hunger, but I'm not going to the trash can because and here's why, because I think it's trash. Mm -hmm. I think it's garbage. I, I didn't hear that in the sermon. Yeah, I didn't hear that in a sermon. I didn't read that in my Bible. Mm -hmm. I see the dumpster for what it is. And I went, oh, oh. Mm -hmm. Here's what I think yeah. makes me so sad. I mean, so much of that for you, I hear about after the fact, because that was something you were already tempering by the time that we met each other. And before it became what it is today, where you can just see yeah. it on your phone in the drop of a yeah. hat you know so you were already in process of that wrestling with who God's called mm -hmm. you to be with all of that um but the part that I think is so important is that I've watched in you over the years when it comes to this or so many other behaviors is deciding who who what kind of man do you want to be mm -hmm. and I think that that's a question that we're just not asking young people enough is like, who do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? Whether it's for your future spouse or just between you and God. And it's one of the reasons I have told all of the kids so many times while they were growing up, of you need to look for someone who loves God because then they want to do right by you because they want to be right with God more than they care about you. Mm -hmm. And when they're right with God, they'll do right by you. Mm -hmm. And I would say all of these challenges you're describing, yes, are true. But also like you're saying is like, who do you want to be with God? What is the garbage that you're inviting in? Mm -hmm. And um, what you and I know, which sometimes you got to learn this for yourself is we know where that goes later. We've, we have done so much counseling with people who, who engaged in, um, watching porn or sex outside of marriage you think it's just about that moment and you move on but you don't you carry that and you mm -hmm. add to that and speaking of a dumpster it's just like filling the dumpster more and more and more and then you get into a relationship that you do love with someone that you do want to be with and you have all of this garbage to sort through. So we're always just like minimize the garbage. Yeah. Try to minimize that garbage. Think about your your five-year away self and who you want that person to be and what what do you want to drag into that with you? So I, that the, these questions today are so real and mm. so 
complicated, which is what life is. It's so complicated, but thank God. Yeah. And let me just say this. Um, for those of you who are battling this, we do have men's sexual freedom groups mm-hmm. that meet at Sandals. This guy, I think, is in Arizona. So I would just find a local church out there in Arizona, see if there's a group where you can be mm-hmm. real. Because the worst thing that you can do is try to deal with this on your own, uh, especially if this is, uh, you know, kind of an, an addiction. And so, mm-hmm. and I'm not exactly sure, you know, when where the marker of porn becomes an addiction. So, you know, I I would, if you feel like it might be, I would get a sexual therapist to work through that. Um, But, you know, what I would just say is, look, we love you. God loves you. God's Mm -hmm. grace is real. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though we eat out of the dumpster from time to time, Mm -hmm. the Lord picks us out of the dumpster, still loves us, still cleans us off. Uh, still forgives us. And so that's true. Um, And so I I just would say, young man, I I love you. I'm praying for you. Uh, The best gift you can give yourself is a bunch of guys that can mentor you and come alongside Mm -hmm. you and help you in this. You're not alone. We're with you. Uh, I was 22 years old once. And I remember, um, you know, um, we had gone to church together and I had written on my Bible, please, Lord, help me with my porn problem. And I think my roommate in college, I think we were dating and your mom, do you remember she found my Bible and Mm -hmm. she opened it and she read it and she's like, who's struggling with porn? And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Somebody must've put that in my Bible. Um, Someone else opened my Bible. Someone else opened my Bible and put that in there. Journal entry. Yeah. And I mean, that's the power of shame, right? I mean, that's the power of shame. And so what I wish I would have done is just you know, talk to you about it, been honest with you. I mean, I think every every guy that's dating a girl, the worst thing you can do in your dating relationship is tell her, I've never looked at porn. She mm-hmm. needs to know uh, yeah. how often, w- yeah. what happens, because I've sat in this well, very- Well, and she'll deal with consequences of it at some yeah, point I've if sat, that's yeah, your person. I've sat in this very room with yeah. guys that thought that it would go away magically after they got mm-hmm. married. And so here's the thing, it's not going away, especially if it's not about lust, mm-hmm. if it's about shame, if it's about fear, if it's about anxiety, um, you know. It, and what you and I have seen with so many people that we know is going to porn tends to be a coping mechanism yes. for something that has absolutely nothing to do with sex. It's yep. like it's a bad strategy for a temporary yeah. like relief escape that just then adds garbage onto what you mm-hmm. brought into it in the first place. And I think when I think of this guy who's 22 years old. Um, that's about the time where you were really wrestling with this yourself. Mm-hmm. What hope there is that you have, you be, you decided I don't want anything to rule me you know, except yeah. for Lord. And I, so I just, I want him to, I want him to know there's so much hope mm-hmm. in that age and how incredible and how many men aren't even asking these questions till they're 32, 42, 52 years old. So like good on you for being 22 and knowing that this is something you want to conquer. Invite God into that process through prayers. Invite the Holy Spirit into that, the strength when you Mm -hmm. don't have the strength to undo that. I just, I think um, I would say the same thing. I'm just so proud of you for at 22 saying, I want to deal with this. And you're a great example of being able to be someone who can conquer that yeah. because, and here's the thing, there's this, there's so many things you will have to conquer in your life to overcome. Um, and well, making uh, yeah. this a priority helps you. Yeah, and what self. do you and I talk about every day, yeah. right? Our brain, our brain becomes stronger when we do things we don't want to do and don't think we can do. Mm-hmm. And so that's how our brain grows. And so, um, just part of becoming a man is learning not just to do what you want to do. That's a child. But becoming a man is doing what you know you should do. And, and, and that's not easy. And it's, it's a path. And so what I would do is just set a goal. And I try to, I try to not do anything that I, that can enslave me. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm very, very quick to notice if I like something too much. I'm like, whoa, okay, this is a problem because I don't want anything in my life to be Lord unless his name is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I just, I watch people be enslaved to so many things mm-hmm. and, um, you know, um, so I'll be praying for you. I, you know, I love you pray about moving to Riverside, California. I'd love to have you at our Hunter park campus and mm-hmm. I'd love to have you in a group here with men that uh, have grace for you. Absolutely. And so just, just remember, man, the Lord's a better grace giver than you are a sinner and never, ever forget that. So thank you so much for listening everybody. I hope that you enjoyed the show. I want to wish everybody a happy Valentine's day and just know I'm praying for all of you and, and the Lord loves you. And so do we. Bye. Love you. 
Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. My book, Every Day a Miracle, comes out March 5th. Please pre-order it today. It is a book about a journey towards trusting God who heals inside and out. Thanks for watching the episode.